Hello, and thanks for joining me once again for an episode of The Replay. My name is Lee Sankey. Today, we are continuing our deep dive with Chicago's own Joe Felisco on the fundamentals of playing the harmonica. Thanks to those of you who've got in touch on social media or left a review on a podcast platform. A quick shout out to Margie Goldsmith, John Vaughan, Justin Norton, Samuel Natera, Paddy Paddy, Bruce Wharton, Nate Vance, Malcolm Berry, Goran Pavich, and John Doyle, just to name a few. We appreciate it. And thanks to everyone who's tuning in to listen. I hope you are enjoying this series. So far, Joe and I have managed to spend over two hours on the first two fundamentals. And today we're going to pick up the conversation as we delve into the third, which is chords and tongue blocking. So here we go. Okay, so welcome back. So, so far, Joe and I have been talking about chords, active blues breathing. And this is all around the, the, the fundamentals of the harmonica that, that Joe has uh, been putting together, his, his list. We managed to spend an hour and 42 minutes on the first two, which I, which I love because it's, it's a proper deep dive. So next on that list is chords and tongue blocking. So Joe, do you want to outline a little bit about this and, and you know, why it's on the list and why it's so important? And what's the difference? Because your first one was chords. And so now we're at the third one and it's chords and tongue blocking. So what is it about chords and tongue blocking that, that warrants its own category, if you like? Let's define what tongue blocking is. Uh, this, in my opinion, is a very controversial and very, very confusing subject. So anytime some part of your tongue touches the comb of the harmonica and prohibits air from going in or going out, then that is what tongue blocking is. I think also people fail to recognize that what I call the full tongue block, uh, what kind of potential it has. So the full tongue block is essentially you put your lips over the harmonica in a relaxed manner and you stick your tongue out and lock everything. So that's the full tongue block. No sound. (laughs) Quite clearly, uh, no sound. So it, it kind of almost doesn't make sense But when you take your tongue off and you remove it, now you're getting the cord. Now you're getting a cord. So I would like to also, at this point, make sure I'm defining what puckering or pursing or or lipping is. That's anytime your lips are on the harmonica and the... Only your lips are on the harmonica. So they could be a narrow embouchure where they're only blocking one hole or one note or wider and they're encircling two, three, or more holes. Yeah. So we go back to the chords and tongue blocking. And I think an obvious question should be, what is the value of that? What would people want to do with that? And I, for Chicago blues... I find it an extremely valuable technique uh, in a launching point for, number one, I believe there's no excuse. Everybody who has lips and has a tongue can do the full tongue block. Yeah. And if you can take the tongue on and off, 
then you can start to create rhythm effects. So now we're introducing uh, into the idea of playing a rhythm, moving the tongue rhythmically. So if I do the full tongue block, of course, it sounds like nothing. But if I take my tongue off, you get a chord. But if I take it off and put it back on quickly, let's call that a ghost chord. And many of the great Chicago players, uh, which includes Little Walter and Sonny Boy Rice Miller, uh, Big Walter Horton also, they have this technique going on. It is a hidden layer. It is that crust of the pizza that people just fail or very often fail to recognize. And that is this cording that happens underneath. So when you're doing that, you're, you, you, it's, it's not like you're going tat tat ta on the roof of your mouth. You're, you're actually taking the tongue on and off the harmonica. So the, 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 the build here, where we're, what, the reason why we're into new territory is everything we talked about in the chord section, whether it was the train imitation or those kind of things, we, we were using the breath pulse, you know, use, using the throat articulations, with you can do all of that without tongue blocking essentially and and now we're introducing the tongue as a way of giving us another option in terms of how the air is controlled and the articulations you can get right that is exactly right so you can mimic this when i was talking about doing cording i mentioned uh, shuffle cording, or I like to call it hard shuffle cording, and that's just articulating. And so this is the identical rhythm, but a much breathier, spittier, not as aggressive of a sound. Right, which so that that they would they would use that kind of style as a kind of backdrop to their to other more prominent notes and licks. So it was almost like they would use that to sort of maintain the groove, keep the pulse going. It's almost like I guess with a guitar player when when that when they strike some of the strings and there's no sound really. It's just kind of like you know um, a bit of a in in the background. This is my feeling. Yes, um, you point out you can mimic this by saying tut, tut, tut. And I would say, sure, it's plausible that some of these early players, that little Walter may have done that. But I tend to think that this foundational layer actually comes uh, from the default embouchure of tongue blocking. If you're mm. using tongue blocking and that's the default way of playing, then it makes more sense to use your tongue rhythmically to create that layer than it is to take your tongue off the harmonica. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the idea is keep your tongue on there as much as you can when you're doing, when you're playing. So when you hear, um, you know, Sonny Boy 2 doing the, this.
same sort of thing. Oh um, yeah, baby. And so, of course, the the licks are cool, but it's you know it it makes me squirm when somebody would try to imply that the licks in that situation are more important than laying down and feeling that rhythmic groove. And you hear the same thing when you listen to uh, Little Walter. Um, some songs it's more prominent than others, but sort of... kind of going back to that sort of thing it's easy to listen to him and miss that because it kind of gets blended in often with the rhythm section so yeah but and if you can do that it it, it kind of just to go right back to the very starting point when we're talking about the chords is if you can do that if you can create that pulse in the in in the background again it allows you to play on your own without any backing you know, you could almost in those situations, I'm sure, you know, little Walter and, and uh, big Walter Horton, they could nail those kind of things without the band. It's almost, they got such a sense of, of time and groove. So it's almost like laying down that rhythm and then going away from it, playing a phrase and then coming back to it. And when you can do that, you, you, you can play solo and there's so much joy and pleasure to be able to do that because you don't need any electricity. You can carry it around with you wherever you are. It's a very accessible thing. And if you are playing in a, in a duo as, 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 as you do um, practically all the time now, Joe, you, you can create that rhythm sound, you know, uh, when, in the absence of percussion, drums and, and, and bass. That's why I think this is it's such, a, it's such a cool uh, technique. Um, and as you say, it's the, two, it's the two together. If you have the sort of phrasing right, but you don't have... The, the rhythmic part, you've, you've only got part of the dish in a way. I completely, totally agree. Uh, if your interest in the harmonica is clean single notes, if you want to be able to play things that a trumpet or a saxophone plays, well, there's a place for that and that's cool, but it doesn't exploit any of the special sounds and techniques that are unique to the harmonica. And, and that is really what gets me the most excited. Those sounds that are really unique to the harmonica that allows the harmonica to stand on its own and not really try to compete with other uh, more uh, traditional, more respected instruments. Yeah, you're, you're, you're really playing to the strengths of the instrument, I think, in, in, in that phrase, not trying to move it into areas uh, where it's, it can't necessarily perform uh, at, it, at, at its best because of the, the constraints that it has. So, yeah, it seems like a, a, an, obvious, <laughs> an obvious thing to do, you know. Um, so we've talked a little about uh, ghost chording then, and again, this is something that's easy to miss. Now, for, for me... Um, if I'm interpreting this area in the same way as you do, you do, when you using chords and your tongue blocking and 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 and, you, and using the tongue, there's a there's an articulation thing as you've just been talking about. But for me, there's this kind of feathering thing that 
that, that, that you can do. So coming back to the, if you're using your tongue to create and sculpt these sounds, it almost changes the relationship that you have with the, with, with the instrument in terms of the way that you play it and therefore the things that you go for. So th th things like, and I'm probably not doing this um, right, but for me, if you, if you hear some of the things Sonny Terry does uh, on, on the low end, he, it's a chord, but he's obviously using his tongue because you go from, instead of going, you know, you're going, you get these kind of sounds. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm tongue blocking that. Or if you have, I, I, I love to do things where, you know, you, you finish a phrase, you know, and start to feather in other, other things, um, which are still chords, but you, 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 you're using the tongue to kind of sculpt, uh, you know, the sound and just put feather and bleed in other notes. Do you, do you, do you hear, what, hear what I'm saying? So do I take this that you want to start the discussion about dirty notes? <laughs> well, technically, you've got that in the next section. So I think we should keep the, the, the discipline here. So we're, we're, um, if we're talking about using tongue blocking for chords, we've, when I think about using it in that way, um, that's, that, 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 using your tongue to do that, is, 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 it's more to it than just the articulation thing. I think you can, you can sculpt and get for reasons I don't fully understand myself, I just know when I put my tongue on in certain places, different, I get different sounds, which are chords to my ear. What I like about what you're saying so much is this idea that you are excited about sculpting sound. I, I feel like so much emphasis nowadays is put on improvising with notes and, and people are hot to pursue that direction of playing the harmonica. And they overlook the idea of improvising with sound and tone, the different sounds and tonal op possibilities that the harmonica is capable of. And so that's what I'm hearing you say, really mining all those, uh, the variety of sounds. And it could be so totally overlooked by people that their relationship to music and improv is making licks with notes and disregarding this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, this whole territory in a way, if we think about the five fundamentals, you, you, you you've got the chords, you've got the active breathing, uh, and then you've, you've almost got this, this kind of bridge, this middle area between chords and tongue blocking, as a jumping point off into single notes and splits. And this, this, this territory is quite easy, I think, to overlook because you've, you, you know, you've got chords and your, your, your tongue is not necessarily on the harmonica uh, and you've got single notes and splits uh, and, and it's easy to interpret it that there's no space in between and, and, uh, and, there, and there is. So my story that relates to this goes back to my attempt to reverse engineer Sonny Terry doing his hootin' the blues, whoopin' the blues. And uh, I, I literally made a cassette tape of every recording that I had of him doing that kind of one chord uh, rhythmic thing and listened to it and for six months to a year 
until I was starting to hear patterns, repeated patterns in what he was doing. And then I captured the patterns that I thought to me were the most memorable, had the most unforgettable melodic qualities to them. And I started to commit them to paper and, and I was beginning to try to make the most sense out of it. I wanted to be clear with people that this is what Sonny Terry was doing. And I started to hear things that I couldn't explain. And it was almost like I walked into this cave with hopes that it would, you know, I'd be able to see the light. And I kept going deeper and deeper and deeper right. and deeper. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and I, I, Where's the back? Where's the back? <laughs> I'm almost, I'm, I'm slightly joking and I'm also serious that I think I came to a point of having a emotional breakdown because I realized that the depth in Sonny Terry's sound playing was way more than I had guessed. And it was at that moment that I realized, and this is, I think this is what you're talking about, that Sonny Terry was the harmonica player that absolutely blurred the line between the clean single note and the chord and everything that I like to describe as dirty playing in between. He would play dirty in these ways that you really couldn't tell unless you listened extremely, extremely carefully. What the heck? is that is that a double stop is that a is that a chord and by the way that he would play using his tongue and of course his breath pulse and his tone pulse all together uh it it was this endless infinite variety of sounds uh tones textures chords and even these little split threes that he would sneak in his playing. And mm. I completely like felt like I know nothing about <laughs> this because I'd realized that a player that often uh, can be dismissed as having simple licks that are uh, easy to repeat was way more had way more going on than I'd ever heard anybody are be able to articulate in an intelligent way. Recently I've uh, heard Paul Lamb talk about Sonny Terry and I can tell he and I are on the same page about mm. all those layers of complexity. So, wow, that was just like, I get goosebumps kind of thinking about that because I, I just had this tremendous breakthrough that what I thought could be easily explained about how to play blues on the harmonica and imitate the style of Sonny Terry, there was way more layers going on than I had originally yeah. anticipated. Yeah. It's very deceptive. Very, very deceptive. So you got here um, this idea of Chordal, chordal effects. So we've talked about ghost chording. We've talked about this idea of this space between chords and, and, sing, and single, single notes. So there's things here like rapid vamping and, and, and tongue shakes. What, what, do you, what do you mean by that? I like to use the term chordal effects to describe a 
chordal texture that most oftenly appears in a fairly long, sustained manner uh, in a song. Um, so like the, the most absolute, most cliche uh, chordal effect is this sort of thing you would hear little Walter doing this. And for me, I don't feel like it's proper to define that as a clean single note thing. I feel like you, that it's, it's much more of a way to play a chord and sustain that chord uh, at a place in, in, in a song, uh, uh, obviously. And so when, so so when how, you're doing that, you're not just going between the four and the five. Some people well, will listen to that because, because that's where, where people may say it's a clean, it's a single note thing because you're just going between four and five. But I'm, I'm guessing true. that's kind of missing the point. True. So, but, so let me come back to that because I want to briefly say that uh, as it relates to chords and tongue blocking, and this is something that I encourage students to experiment with really from day one, and that is what I call the tongue shake. So that is basically approaching the harmonica with a relaxed uh, you know, lip, lipping over, over uh, an area. In this case, it's around holes four and five. And then making your tongue alternate laterally from one corner of your mouth to the other. And so... It's a, it's a technique that I don't feel like is really accurately described as a clean single note technique. Yeah. And it serves a purpose of being more chordal, chordal to my ears. Yeah, so I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of lumping it here with this chords and tongue blocking. So as going back to what you said, uh, this chordal effect of the tongue shake, moving the tongue laterally, you can do that with a wider mouth or a narrower mouth. Sonny Terry would have done it with a very narrow mouth. Almost perfectly going between the two holes, but it's still tongue blocking. And so we have this other launching point where it goes to the shake, whether you're shaking the harmonica or whether you're shaking your head. But if I do it with my tongue, it sounds like this. If I, if I do it by shaking my head, now I'm playing that dirty, which means I'm bleeding both holes into each other continuously. I could do it clean. And then you could argue that that's a clean single note riff, a clean single note idea. But to me, it really f sounds better when the notes are dirty and blurred yeah. and it serves the purpose better when the notes are dirty and blurred. Yeah. That's, that's what I mean by the feathering, I guess is, yeah. is, is, is when I, you know, it's like ble bleeding and controlling the, the valve, so to speak on, on how different things bleed in. And again, just coming back to this, this thing of as we're going through so much of this is hinging on, tongue blocking these are sounds and effects you cannot achieve unless you go down this this path in terms of these kind of textural effects and even if you you're not playing single notes tongue blocked 
you, you would open up so many possibilities in your playing, even if you learned to do those. And for me personally, I, I, I call that sort of a tongue switch, I guess, or, a, or yeah, shake left and right. But then you have the flutter where you take your tongue, you know, on and off. And I found the tongue shake, as you call it, very, very hard to get. It took me like years for some reason my you know the lateral movement i found much much harder you know to get i can do both now but i i would say even for years every time i would pick up the harp i would go you know just trying to get the <laughs> to get that kind of sound going and gradually i'd get it clearer and faster and and, and, and so on whereas the 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 flutter that kind of sound came to me more, you know, more natural. And actually I, le I learned that from Paul Lamb again, and he, he has a phenomenal uh, tongue flutter when, uh, when you hear him through a basement and you really get the, you know, the low, the low note as well as the, the, the high note. It, it, it sounds fantastic. And I was always sort of, yeah, that was one of the things that you can only really do on that instrument, on, on the harmonica. So it's such a, a great thing to try, to try and uh, learn. Completely agree. So you're calling it a flutter. I call it rapid vamping. Um, it's the same thing. It's just a different motion of the tongue that ultimately it's about the chordal effect. That's right. So you want to shake laterally, move your tongue laterally, take your tongue on and off. They all really musically tend to serve the same purpose. They're all, I, I, I will write study songs and then just write in chordal effect the highest note is whole five so do the chordal effect so that the ear hears whole five is the highest note and then whatever happens underneath it is fair play and and the when you listen to little walter in the muddy waters band or you know big walter horton the, the, the these kind of flutter rapid vamping uh, tongue switch tongue shake, whatever we call them, they, re they really add so much to the music when they hit them in the right place. And I guess that that kind of effect, I sometimes think of it as, you know, the harmonic is almost being like a Hammond organ, you know, or, or, or just giving those textural, textural things that obviously they couldn't, a Hammond organ is about as an unportable instrument as you can possibly find, especially if you're using it with a Leslie cabinet. And, and also you, you, you can get those sounds you don't need an amplifier, right? That's another misconception around this kind of style of playing, that these big sounds and the tone and these kind of effects, you, you, need, you need a basement and a bullet mic to get, but that's not the case. And I think that the flutter and the switch really bring that to life when you get, when you get it down. Well, I completely, totally agree. Um, I, I'll go back to something I said, which is the biggest sound that the harmonica makes is the chord. And when you're doing these chordal effects, like the flutter, as you're calling it, or the tongue shake, you are really imparting the biggest sound that the harmonica makes. And, and I completely in every way resonate with your passion for that sound that you heard Paul Lamb doing through the basement. It is, it, it's striking that such a small squeaky instrument can have such a roar and fierce rumble 
to it in the right hands or the right lips of a masterful player. It's just, it's, it's unforgettable. Yeah, it's a great move, that one. And it, it is one, you know, if, if, if you're listening to this and you try and start and it seems impossible, it is, again, one of those things that some people will find maybe one or the other easier to do. And it is, again, the tongue is a muscle. It's a case of getting, getting it stronger. And it's the combination of, you can, you, again, you can go to extreme depths here. Yes, it's as simple as moving your tongue left and right laterally or on and off. But when you consider the details around how tight the seal is on the higher and lower register and how much you're feathering it left and right, how hard and how fast. There's lots of levers there with which to play with. And it is something that I learned to tongue uh, vamp or, to, or tongue flutter after I've been playing for maybe, I don't know, three years, something like that. But I've continually worked on it over the years. It's not like a technique. Okay, I've got that. Tick the box. It comes back to this idea of the fundamentals. These are techniques that take a long time to refine and perfect and improve. And for me personally, the, the tongue shake is, uh, would be in my top three of, 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 of ones that have, of, of need continuous, you know, <laughs> development. I refer to it as a magical sound. Yeah, but I think some people can pick it up quite quickly and, and for others it's harder to get. So don't be put off if you're trying to do it and you, you're struggling to move your tongue one way or the other or whatever. It's just a case of your tongue learning to move in that way and developing strength in it. The, the other thing you mentioned here is this train whistle sustaining. Do you, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, actually, what we were doing uh, was what I call train whistle sustaining. When we were talking about the active blues breathing, I was pointing out what a, what a Jedi master little Walter was and how long he could sustain notes and that is something that is really overlooked. Uh, people just don't acknowledge it. So going down to the bottom end of the harmonica in sustaining chords over holes one, two, and three is actually something I'm a very big advocate of, but you don't tend to hear that in traditional playing. Somebody like little Walter um, would play, would move the chord up to the area of holes four or five and do what I call train whistle sustaining. And that, that is uh, using a chordal effect, a sustained chordal effect to create a bluesy type of dissonance. So quite literally in 12 bar blues, eight bar blues, 16 bar blues, you could just sustain this Or, or whatever chordal effect you want to use. You could sustain that through the entire 12-bar blues, and at no point will it fail to sound anything but very bluesy. Yeah. And it's that, that discipline of, of just realizing that something simple like that uh, is better than noodling around on the harmonica that I think uh, too many people fail to 
recognize the power of. So that's what train whistle sustaining is. It's just this idea of playing a little bit in the uh, extended area, the extended end of the chord and uh, usually doing it for bluesy effect in a, with a, a shake matter, tongue shake, the, the rapid uh, vamping, uh, you, even with a throat tremolo. So even in per how I like to teach, this would be the same thing too, playing a dirty four. <laughs> Same, same basic flavor that, that there is something that you would hear more likely from someone like Big Walter Horton. Yeah. And, and just because of the way the harmonica works and that ability to sustain notes and bleed notes, that's why I guess you're saying that we can move into this area where it's more of a chord or a, or, or, or a textural thing as opposed to you know, a, a dirty note in some contexts. I mean, essentially it is like a dirty note, but it's all blurred lines just because of the, the, the options that you have around how you power and deliver and, and, and tongue block that note. So that yes, makes I perfect agree. sense. Yep. And, and there's huge, huge bang for your buck here again, in terms of if you can get these techniques, even a sort of, basic handle on them at a, at a jam session or, or playing or being able to do them in your solos, you'll, you'll get, you'll get so much from them. And if we're thinking about traditional playing, roots playing, blues playing, coming back to this idea of these five fundamentals and thinking about the mechanics, if you can do that with your tongue and do these chordal effects, it is a kind of basic mechanic that is going to open up you know you 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 if you don't have that you're missing a big piece of the mechanics of playing the harmonica well i sure think so and i have that category of chords and tongue blocking to really eliminate that excuse that people tend to want to have which is i don't know how to do it i can't do it well of course you can do it you can if you you have a tongue you can stick it out and you're doing it so here's some simple things that you can do to develop some confidence that, yes, I can tongue block because you can stick your tongue out and uh, on and off or laterally side to side and begin to develop some coordination with it. Yeah. So I think that's the perfect jump off point into the next section. So this is notes and tongue blocking. So that's Joe's third fundamental, chords and tongue blocking. In the next episode, Joe and I will get on to probably the biggest area of our discussion, single notes and tongue blocking. We hope you can join us for that. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can help by writing a review and giving it a rating wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get in touch with your questions, comments and ideas by emailing info at leesankey.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Replay. My name's Lee Sankey, and until next time, keep well.